And welcome back to Nighty Night with Rabia Chaudhary. Bedtime stories to keep you awake. I'm DJ Lubell, the show's producer. Tonight's tale warns us, be very, very careful what you play with. Please enjoy the doll. It's easy to get lost when you're sifting through memories that aren't your own. That's why Eileen loved estate sales, yard sales, and garage sales. In order to find the rare stuff, though, sometimes you'd have to hit the good old-fashioned antique stores and consignment shops. The only real rub was the finder's fee she'd end up paying, a mark for someone else already coming through the junk. She tried to avoid going to places like that on principle, but sometimes, for the real treasures, she just had to take her lumps and pay the price. After years of pre-dawn drives to out-of-county estate sales and many dust-induced asthma attacks, Eileen finally started calling around to antique shops in search of her white whale, her holy grail, her still-working, ready-teddy reading doll. Any child of the 80s might remember these things. Ready Teddy was a stuffed bear that would read bedtime stories via a tape deck encased in its chest. Now, at the time, the technology was revolutionary. It was like having your very own robot to snuggle with. But in reality, the Ready Teddy reading doll was just a clunky tape recorder stuffed into a teddy bear body with some plastic gears to move his mouth and eyes. Sadly, no amount of cotton stuffing would make those plastic buttons and mechanical parts cuddly. The concept was great, but the execution, not so much. To further complicate things, the tapes that fit into the player were not standard cassettes. Instead, they were housed in odd-shaped cartridges. Apparently, this was to prevent bootleg stories from being released. By the time the Ready Teddy reading doll was discontinued, they had produced three taped story times. Each tape came with an illustrated book so you could read along with Ready Teddy, but parents quickly grew tired of hearing the same three stories over and over. Unfortunately, the man behind the stories died unexpectedly, shortly after the release of the doll. While the toy company scrambled to find a new author, they pivoted in an unexpected way to maintain sales. Against their better judgment, they released a blank cartridge tape. The doll had always been able to record, after all, it was just a pretty basic run-of-the-mill tape recorder, but without a recordable cartridge to activate it, the record button had gone unused. But with this new tape, a new feature was unlocked and teenagers everywhere made their younger siblings ready Teddy reading doll say the most foul-mouthed crude things you could think of. Parents did as you would expect and blamed the company, not their kids, on the abuse of technology, and so Ready Teddy quickly gained a bad rap. By the early 90s, the doll was no longer on the shelves. Those that remained were either discarded or so well-loved that their plastic gears were worn smooth, rendering Ready Teddy's mouth slack-jawed and haunting. Eileen had always wanted one, but her parents never saw the benefit, opting instead to read the stories to Eileen the old-fashioned way, sitting in a chair next to her bed. For all the faults and issues surrounding the doll itself, though, the stories that came with it were incredibly well-written. The author, Arnold Scheck, sold those stories to the company, and the doll was crafted around them to support his wonderful tales. His untimely death only strengthened his legacy. Mr. Scheck wrote other books, but he never lived long enough to record a real audiobook of any of his other work, so the only remaining records of his voice were on those old cartridge tapes. In 
Eileen had found bootleg quality copies online, but it just wasn't the same. She loved those stories and wanted nothing more than to hear them told by the man himself, Arnold Scheck. The call came in late on a Sunday afternoon. Over the years, Eileen had left her number at various shops scattered across the tri-state area. And on one particularly warm Sunday, while Eileen was reading alone on her back porch, the phone rang. After two rings, she made her way inside and recognized the number before answering. It was Anna from Fishy Finds, one of her favorite little consignment shops the next town over. You're in luck. We just got one back in, Anna blurted out. Back in? Eileen asked. Yeah, sorry about that, but one came in a few weeks ago. Trish didn't know about you and somebody snagged it before my shift. The good news, though, is that it came back. Eileen was confused. Came back? The same ready teddy? Anna explained that the couple who had bought it a couple of weeks ago came in the other day and dropped it off without asking for a return or a credit. They just didn't want it anymore, or maybe their grandkids didn't. I don't know. They didn't say, she explained dismissively. Their loss, Eileen thought to herself. Anna kept the shop open an extra hour just so Eileen could pick it up that day. Eileen was pleased to find out that not only was the Ready Teddy reading doll in near mint condition, but it also came with all three-story cartridges, and to her even greater surprise, the legendary fourth blank cartridge. Eileen was so excited, she even offered to pay more than they were asking, but Anna, bless her heart, wouldn't allow it. As soon as she got into her car, Eileen strapped the Ready Teddy reading doll into her passenger seat and hit play. She listened to one tape on the entire ride home, and as Arnold Scheck read the same words she had memorized after countless readings, her mind drifted into pleasant nostalgia. It just made her feel so safe. Once she got home, Eileen perched up on the back porch and put on the second tape. She fell asleep somewhere around the part in the story with the two-headed friendly giant. The last thing she remembered before drifting off was Mr. Scheck describing the rolling auburn hills of Bear Grove. She woke up suddenly when she heard her husband bark, Man, didn't you start dinner? He was still noticeably drunk from fairway loggers, having spent his day golfing as he did most Sundays. Oh, sorry, I guess I fell asleep. Did you drive home? She asked with genuine concern. Instead of answering, he let out a gruff, annoyed grunt and stomped off towards the kitchen. Alone, she listened to the soft hum of the tape motor and the static white noise that filled the end of the tape. She found her husband in the kitchen struggling with a box of Easy Mac. She kissed him on the cheek and took over. He took a few steps back and apologized from a distance, probably to hide the smell of beer on his breath. As the water boiled, Eileen could hear him snoring from the living room couch. Later, they ate in front of the television, but Eileen told him she wasn't in the mood for a movie and would rather read. He had been eyeballing a scary flick that he knew she wouldn't be into, so he didn't put up a fight. That night, she finished tape two and got through all of number three, reading along with her first edition copies of each book. It was just as magical as she'd hoped. Somehow, the stories that she knew so well took on a brand new life of their own, shaped by the inflection of the man who dreamed them up. Eileen slept well that night, so well that she didn't even notice her husband never came to bed. Monday went as well as Mondays often do, but it did start with a little extra frenzied chaos when her husband woke up with a sore neck and ran late for work. On his way out the door, he told her not to wait up that night. He planned to make up his missed morning hours by staying late. Eileen was glad to hear it because all she had on her mind was listening to the Ready Teddy tapes again. After her morning coffee, she headed up to her home office. Her day was filled with emails and online meetings, 
but in the background, she kept playing the tapes, rotating through all three of them again and again. More than once, Eileen found herself narrating along with Arnold Scheck. As her workday neared an end, it occurred to her that she hadn't yet checked the fourth cartridge. It was unwrapped, so it had probably already been used. Wondering what could be on it, she opened up the Ready Teddy tape player and inserted the fourth tape. She would never regret anything more. If you're enjoying Nighty Night, bedtime stories to keep you awake, we would really appreciate it if you would follow us and leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. Thank you. You can listen to Nighty Night, bedtime stories to keep you awake, ad-free on Amazon Music. Like a lot of you, I have had horrible bosses over the years. But luckily for the last decade, I've been able to be my own boss. Are you ready to be your own boss yet? You can start, run, and grow your own successful business with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform. That, you see, is the sound of another sale on Shopify. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from everywhere. Whether your thing is vintage teas or recipes for ghee, you can start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll create an online store in your vibe, discover new customers, and grow the following that keeps them coming back. You know that side hustle you've been thinking about for years? You can make it your main hustle easily with Shopify. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted, so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across all the social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free libraries full of educational content, Shopify's got you every step of the way. Shopify makes selling simple so you can put yourself, your ideas, that side hustle you've been wanting to do for years out there. Whether your thing is making ebooks or earrings, Shopify can make your success possible. Go on, try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash night, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash night to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash night. Listen to our new Audible original, Night Vale Presents, Unlicensed, from the creators of the chart-topping podcast, Welcome to Night Vale. In Unlicensed, a strange and sinister conspiracy is lurking in California's Inland Empire, and the unlikely detective duo Molly and Lou must work together to unravel the mystery. Molly is a recent divorcee with a knack for neatness who answers an ad to assist a private investigator named Lou, a brilliant but scattered detective. An inquiry into a workplace accident quickly turns into a complex conspiracy involving a missing boy, a suspicious wellness center, and the governor of California. Unlicensed is modern noir crime drama set in the outskirts of Los Angeles. The story explores the duality of humankind, the lasting impact of economic inequality, and the cult-like attributes of the modern-day wellness industry. Visit audible.com slash unlicensed to listen now. She could hear the whir of an electric motor, which was followed by the soft static of dead air. There was an overblown crackle of someone fumbling with the bear, brushing against the microphone. Once those sounds settled, Eileen could hear the soft, delicate breaths of what sounded like a woman. 
Somewhere in the distance, a faint melody played along with a subtle cheer of excitement from a crowd. The song sounded like something from a child's music box, playful and familiar. Eileen leaned in closer, hoping it would help her hear it, but most of it was drowned out by the squeak of Reddy Teddy's plastic gears as the mouth and eyes moved without a purpose. She focused harder on the speaker hidden just behind the mechanical mouth. She started to make out other sounds on the tape, like the familiar grind of traffic on a busy street. The distinct honk of an impatient driver suddenly cut through the noise. It was followed by another two in quick succession. The music faded, giving way to the sound of a cheering crowd, still faint. This was followed by the tin can muffle of an announcement made over a PA system. It reminded her of high school. Suddenly, the thumping of what seemed like heavy steps was heard, then the sliding scrape of what she thought was a window closing, and suddenly muffling the noise from outside. There's a brief pause of the quiet, broken only by a strange rattle, followed by a jittery hum. The sound stirred something familiar in her brain. It kind of sounded like the mini-fridge she kept in her college dorm. Three booming knocks came in rapid succession. The muffled voice of a man screamed from somewhere outside, I know you're in there! Again, there, the sound of heavy footsteps crossing the room, then the crackle of somebody rubbing against the bear as they moved it. Were they trying to hide it? Eileen wondered. There was another loud bang and the splintering of wood as a doorframe cracked from another blow. The quiet room was suddenly filled with a chaotic noise of one body charging towards another. A shrill scream bled over every other noise. It was cut short by a sickening thud. The man's panic was evident in his heavy breathing. Incoherent mumbles formed into an unconvincing apology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't mean to... I'm, I'm sorry, he kept repeating. His voice was so strangely familiar, but distorted by the analog tape and the small antique speaker. His final words to himself, but they felt somehow directed at Eileen, like he knew she was listening. Is she... Oh my God. She's dead. The tape ended there. Eileen was frozen, trying to process whether she had just heard what she thought she'd heard. Had she just listened to someone being brutally murdered? Her heart was racing. She thought she must have misunderstood it. Should she listen again? She wanted to, but instead she backed away from the bear, putting as much distance as possible between the tape and herself. It was only then that she noticed the blotches of matted fur on the bear. They hadn't been there before, she was sure of it. The bear had been in pristine condition when she picked it up but now it was as if something thick and red, so dark it was nearly black, stained the ruddy teddy bear and stuck random patches of his fur together. Her stomach nodded and she ran into the bathroom to vomit. That night, through her terror, she couldn't sleep. Instead, she waited on the couch for her husband to come home. Finally, well after midnight, the front door opened. I'm sorry, he slurred. His words sent chills down her spine and her stomach turned. Not because he had clearly stopped at a bar instead of coming straight home after work, and not because his drinking was ruining their marriage. It was because in that moment his voice sounded just like the one Eileen had heard on the tape. The voice that said, She's dead. Was that possible? She must be losing her mind. Fear was clearly warping her perception. Eileen watched as he crossed the room and fell into the recliner. Within seconds, he passed out. 
For the rest of the night, though, Eileen stayed awake, her eyes trained on her husband, hearing those two words over and over again. In the morning, before he awoke, she grabbed the Ready Teddy reading bear and left the house. She had decided she was just going to get rid of it. Pulling into the parking lot of Fishy Finds, Eileen realized they were closed on Tuesdays, so she left the box near the front door. If somebody stole it, fine. She didn't even want the money back. She just wanted it gone. She drove home with the windows down to drown out her thoughts, but it was hard to quiet that scream. That day, she called in sick from work and busied herself with reality television and the endless scrolling of social media, anything to keep her distracted. That night, her husband arrived home in record time and with dinner no less. She knew he was trying to make up for the night before. But she had no appetite, and all she wanted to do was get into bed. She popped some sleeping meds, knowing she would need them, and left him at the dinner table still eating, oblivious to her anxiety. At some point, he finally joined her in bed that night. But after her third time waking up moaning in a cold sweat, he made his way back to the couch on his own accord. Eventually, though, as the morning sun began to creep in through the blinds, she fell into a deep sleep. She didn't wake until nearly noon, her husband having long left for work. Eileen staggered to the bathroom and washed her face before groggily heading downstairs for coffee. It was best, she thought, to put it all out of her head to forget about the damn bear and what she'd heard. She had to distract herself, she decided. A few hours of focused work would bring her back to reality. Steaming coffee in hand, Eileen went back upstairs and stepped over the threshold of her office and dropped her mug as a gasp escaped her open mouth. There, on her desk, plain as day, was the Ready Teddy reading doll with its four tapes stacked neatly beside it. She waited two agonizing hours for the shop to open before calling, hoping Anna would be working. Before Anna could get her customary greeting out, Eileen blurted, Did you, did you bring the bear back to me? Uh, what are you talking about? Anna responded. Eileen told her everything that had happened, right up until the moment she left the bear. Eileen said that even though she had opened the shop, she didn't see anything outside. And no, no one knew that Eileen had bought the bear. Eileen hung up, dread filling her insides, hanging in the room like a poison fog. There were only two possibilities, she realized. Either someone had followed her, retrieved the bear and put it back in her house, or the bear had returned to her by itself. She shook her head. That was ridiculous. How in the world? But maybe, maybe it returned because it was trying to tell her something? Maybe the bear needed her to hear that tape and do something about it. Maybe the ready Teddy reading doll had come into her life for a reason. Slowly, she made her way back to her office and opened the door, mouthing a silent prayer that the doll wouldn't be there. But it was, it still was, sitting on her desk like it was waiting for her. She approached it cautiously and eased herself into the worn leather office chair, never breaking eye contact with the brown furry bear. She reached out for the fourth tape, the one with the recording, and inserted it into the bear. After a few long, anxious minutes, she hit play. Through gritted teeth, she listened once, twice, three times. By the fourth time she played the tape, her empathy began to numb. By the fifth time, she stopped reacting emotionally and felt herself becoming objective. She tried to channel the hosts of her favorite true crime podcast and focus on the facts she could establish. 
First, wherever the victim was, something electronic was close by and making that hum, just like her old mini-fridge. Second, the victim sounded like a woman from the scream. Third, the man who arrived midway through the tape either killed that woman or at least was present when she died and felt some guilt over it. And whoever it was, it sounded an awful lot like her husband. Finally, there was that music and the cheering crowd noise coming from outside, and the sliding sound of what she was sure was a window because it suddenly muffled that very noise. As she listened for the tenth time, there was a knock at her office door. In a panic, she shouted, One second! and swept the bear, cassettes and all, into a desk drawer. Her husband cracked the door open and peeked in, suspicious. Were you talking to someone? he asked. He had heard the tape but she couldn't let him know about it. Safer to feign innocence, she figured, so she just shrugged and shook her head. His eyes darted around the room, searching for something. Eventually, they settled on the mess of her work desk and her phone laying half-buried under papers. Then he looked her in the eyes and asked, What's for dinner? Eileen had lost track of time and forgotten altogether about making dinner, but she was more annoyed at his expectation. Oh, I wanted frozen pizza tonight, she lied. Would you start the oven? It won't take long. His face scrunched into a scowl. Pizza, he asked. 475, please, she replied. A short while later, they ate the pizza on the couch together and watched a show that he had been telling her about for months. Try as she might to focus on the show, Eileen found her mind drifting back to the tape. Her eyes would wander from the television off to the corner of the room where she stared into space and thought about the voice on the tape. Eventually, her husband noticed. Well, I mean, we can watch something else, he offered. She apologized for being tired and lied, saying she was going to sleep. Instead, she got into bed, pulled the covers over her head, and scrolled through her phone, scouring true crime message boards looking for any mention of the ready Teddy reading doll. She didn't even know when she fell asleep. Sitting at her desk the next day, she finished work early and began to research the song that played in the early part of the tape. If only she could figure out that song. Maybe she could narrow down where it was being played from. Her first search was broad and unfocused. After a couple of hours of skimming through music catalogs, every song began to sound like a cacophony of horns and woodwinds. She needed a break, so she decided to look for any mention of a woman being murdered in a dorm room. She began searching for any articles from the date of the cartridge's release to the present. And of course, the results were overwhelming. The following few days, she went deeper and deeper into her true crime research. For hours on end, Eileen retreated into her office to browse message boards and bounce ideas off of other true crime enthusiasts. She became familiar in a few of the more active rooms by the ID, the Ready Teddy Tape. People began getting invested. Over many hours, she collected notes and made a list of sites and people she could contact over the weekend. On Saturday morning, she decided she was going to get to work early, determined to make a breakthrough in the case that weekend. Coffee in hand, she carried her toast with butter into the office and shut the door. At some point, she heard her husband get up and go about his morning, but she stayed in her chair, focused on the multiple tabs open in front of her. Sometime around noon, he knocked and cracked open the door. Are you ready to go? He asked. Ready for what? He threw the door open and almost charged inside. I knew it. I knew you'd do this, he said, his voice just below shouting. Baffled, Eileen sat behind her desk trying to figure out why he was so upset. 
Bethany's birthday, he sighed before adding, my niece, as if she didn't know who Bethany was. Eileen looked over at her calendar and saw the event written in her own handwriting and circled in red. She flushed and quickly got up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I just forgot. She apologized. I'll do a quick wash up and change as fast as I can. She got ready in record time and apologized once more on the drive over. All said they were only a half hour late and since her husband's sister was never on schedule, they didn't miss a thing. Still, her husband refused to say more than a few terse words to her. He was three beers in by the time lunch was served and Eileen was done having one-sided conversations with him, so she wandered off to see what the kids were up to. While Bethany and her friends were living it up in the bounce house castle, her brother and younger cousins were inside with their eyes glued to tablets and old phones while cartoons played on the television. The kids were all silent, but their devices created a discordance of digital noise. Given all that, it was a wonder that the song even reached her ears. At first, she thought she was just replaying it in her own head from memory, but then she realized, no, someone in that room was playing that song. She went from child to child, leaning in to see if their device was playing the song that she'd been searching for. Finally, as the song played its final notes, she had narrowed it down to two kids she didn't know. One was a giggly little boy with ringlet curls who flashed a smile at her as she approached, while the girl with thick glasses had absolutely no interest in acknowledging her. Eileen asked them both what they were watching, and while the girl ignored her, the little boy was more than happy to show her his cartoon. When she asked about the song, he rewound the video so she could hear it. He told her that it was his favorite. The music came from a little ditty that played in a cartoon she must have watched a hundred times as a kid. No wonder it was familiar. It was one of those old classics that everyone knew. That was it. That was the music she'd heard in the background of the Ready Teddy tape. Her epiphany came like a lightning strike. If it truly was a song from a cartoon, she wasn't looking for a college. This song was being played from a theme park ride and she knew exactly which one. The cartoon that featured the song and a hundred other cartoons like it had launched an empire of family-friendly fun. She was almost certain that this ditty was the same song from the tape, but there was no place for almost in true crime. She was only about 15 minutes away from home and she figured if she just snuck out, she could get home, confirm it was the right song, and get back to the party with just enough time for a slice of cake before they opened the presents. She slipped out the front door and sprinted to her car. Meanwhile, she looked up the song and played it from her phone as she drove. With every replay, she became that much more certain that she was right. Eileen made it home in 10 minutes and was in the house and up the stairs before the 15-minute mark. She felt her body buzzing as she reached out to the doll and pressed play. She was right. That was the song. It's hard to imagine losing a loved one. A wife, a husband, a child. For many, it's their biggest fear. From Wondery, The Vanished is a podcast that tells the stories of often overlooked and unsolved missing persons cases. 
Every week, host Marissa Jones dives into a new case, sharing the details of their mysterious disappearance from interviews with family, friends, law enforcement, and even suspects in an effort to reveal the truth. The Vanished has even aided in getting long overdue arrests through their in-depth interviews. Marissa reminds listeners of the human behind the headline and aims to help family members find their vanished loved one, or at least a sense of peace. I love the Vanished podcast, and I've been a listener for years, not just because it's incredible, compelling storytelling, but also it's impactful. They make a difference in real people's lives. So follow The Vanished on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Later that evening, long after the party had ended, Eileen posted her discovery to the true crime message boards she'd been spending the last few weeks on. Almost immediately, the user with the ID TX Armchair Arnie, a fellow true crime junkie, had a brilliant suggestion. The sliding sound on the tape was distinctly long, but not heavy enough to be a sliding door, he thought. Check the windows of older hotels in close proximity to the theme park, he messaged her. He pointed out that the distinct sound of the sliding window wouldn't be found in newer buildings. That was because lately hotels had suicide-proof windows that only cracked slightly. Eileen hesitated for a brief moment when he told her his real name was indeed Arnold and suggested that they exchange numbers so he could help her identify hotels to check out. But she quickly relented, thinking, He seems like a sweet guy from Texas. He just wants to help. For the next couple of days, they excitedly exchanged text messages and even chatted over the phone a few quick times as they planned out the next step in her investigation. She knew instinctively she couldn't tell her husband what she was really up to. He would think she was crazy. Instead, she told him she needed some space and was going to stay at a hotel for the next few days to figure it out. To figure them out. There's nothing to figure out. What are you really up to? Who is he? her husband growled, leaning against her bedroom door, blocking her exit. She looked at him, thinking he must be joking, but it was clear that he wasn't. Nobody, she said. I just need to be alone to think for a couple of days. As she picked up her bag to leave, he stood directly in front of her, blocking her way. They stared at each other for a few long, silent seconds before she pushed past him and walked out of the door. The minute she drove away, he began sending long, rambling texts about how she was pushing him away. As the texts became longer and more incoherent, she could tell he had started drinking. Finally, she put her message notifications on silent and headed to the first hotel on Arnold's list. It was a castle-themed hotel with gaudy replicas of armor and swords, and she asked nicely to see a room. Her request was met with narrowed eyes and a hint of suspicion. It wasn't like she could tell them she was trying to solve a murder— so instead she told them she was scouting rooms for an important client. The lie worked, and the clerk offered to start with showing her the suites. Okay, that'd be great, but it's important that it's on the park side. The kids want to hear the rise from their room, she explained. Together they went to the top floor suite that looked out onto the park. Sure enough, the window slid, and the song she had listened to over and over could be heard once they were opened only a crack. The suite was huge with multiple sections and had a kitchenette that included a full-size fridge. The only problem, though, was that it was located on the far side of the suite from the park, so the mechanical word that you heard when you got close to it couldn't be heard when you stood by the window and heard the music. As the hotel employee gave the sales pitch about the amenities and breakfast buffet, her phone rang. It was her husband. 
he had decided to call after all. But now was not the time. She silenced the call and pretended to be interested in the 400 channels only available in the suite. Moments later, her phone dinged with a text alert from her husband. It read, Who is Arnold Cunningham from Texas? He must have been going through their phone bill. Her conversations with Arnold were benign and innocent, so it never occurred to her to try and hide them. Trying to explain that was going to be a fight that she just wasn't ready for, so Eileen ignored him. She turned off her phone, thanked the employee for their time, and hurried back to her car. As she sat there with the door open, she could hear the melody play carried over in the wind. Against her better judgment, she turned her phone back on only to be bombarded with dozens of texts. He called her a liar and accused her of cheating on him with Arnold. With each successive text, he became more belligerent and spun further out of control. She turned the phone back off and drove to the second location on her list, which was located on the other side of the park. It was more motel than hotel, and there was no attempt at a theme. Being so close to the park, they were still able to charge a fortune, regardless of the last time they updated the amenities. Eileen made her way into the small front office. This time, her request to see a room was met without any questions. The nice young man working the front desk walked her across the parking lot to a room. As they walked up the stairs to the second floor, she asked him if the room had a fridge. It does, he said, but no minibar, just snacks from the vending machine. The moment they stepped inside, a sense of deja vu came over her. She couldn't explain it, but somehow she recognized the silence. The room had the same eerie hum of nothingness from the start of the tape. Is this room available if I want it today, she asked. He nodded. They returned to the front office and she checked in. As she walked to her car to get her things, her phone dinged again with another message. But this time it wasn't her husband. It was a spending alert from the bank. Ugh, she thought. Now he's gonna know I'm here. Eileen realized she'd have to call him back sooner than later before he tried calling the front desk. She retrieved her luggage, the teddy bear making up most of the room in her overnight bag, and went up to the room. Again, a sense of having been there before flooded her body. The eerie silence was only disturbed by the muffled sound of the song playing through the closed window. She placed the ready teddy reading doll on the bed and walked over to it. Eileen slid open the window as the ride ended and just like she could hear on the tape, people cheered as the song finished. A chill ran down her spine. Not exactly knowing what to do next, she lay down on the bed and listened. With a deep breath, she dialed her husband. It rang and rang, but he never answered. The call went to his voicemail, but typical to him, his mailbox was full. Exhausted, she tossed the phone to the side and just listened to the melody repeat as the ride would start and stop and start again. In an oddly macabre way, she found it soothing. So much so that she fell asleep. Eileen woke an hour later to the sound of traffic and the familiar ditty playing outside the open window. She was clutching the Ready Teddy reading doll like her life depended on it. She let it go and the bear rolled onto the bed. She then picked up her phone to see over a dozen missed calls and one single text that read, I know you are with him. Panic set in and the room seemed to spin. She had to call him, explain, but she had to get her head right first. As the music faded once again and the crowd cheered from the park, Eileen suddenly heard something that she had heard many times before, just not in this room. A PA system played a nearly incomprehensible announcement about the park closing soon. 
This time, the familiar sound was unsettling. She hurried over to the window and shut it. She had to think. Everything felt familiar and wrong, and then the fridge rattled to life with the same jittery hum. The three booming knocks came in rapid succession. I know you're in there, her husband screamed from the other side of the door. Eileen knew what was coming. She should have grabbed her phone and dialed the police, but instead she ran over to the ready teddy reading doll and picked it up. She held it close to her ear and heard the whirring motor inside, only it wasn't playing back the tape. This time, it was recording. Tonight's story about a haunted doll is based on not just one, but multiple occurrences where seemingly inanimate toys appear to be acting on their own accord. From the most famous haunted dolls like Annabelle and Robert to Lily and Letta, they all seem to be inhabited by something else that made them more than just a toy. Most were handmade dolls from long ago with unknown origins and sometimes made using strange materials like human hair. But like Annabelle, which was a Raggedy Ann doll, the most recent story of a haunted doll actually involved a mass-produced toy, one that countless children played with on any given day. On Christmas of 2013, a Houston-area girl was gifted an Elsa doll from Disney's Frozen. For the first two years, the doll was like any other. But sometime in 2015, a switch got flipped and what happened next was impossible for the family to explain. For the first two years, Elta had recited phrases and even sang the popular songs from the film, all in English. But in 2015, this changed. Unprompted, this doll began to alternate languages, working as normal but choosing to speak sometimes in Spanish. Sure, it wasn't some long dead language and the phrases were still from a Disney movie and not the Book of the Dead, but this was enough to convince the owners that the doll needed to go. After throwing the doll in the garbage, the family went on with their lives until weeks later, when Elsa reappeared in their living room, unharmed. Nobody in the family fessed to digging up the doll out of the trash, and despite never having its batteries changed in six years, the doll was still speaking. Only now, it only spoke in Spanish. After a good laugh, the family recorded the doll and shared it with their friends on social media before double-bagging the doll and burying it at the bottom of a can on garbage day. The family then went on vacation, only to return and find the doll sitting outside their house, waiting for them. Panicked, the family finally put out a call for help to rid themselves of the spooky and clingy doll. They made one final attempt to get rid of their daughter's toy, but this time Elsa was getting a tracking number. The doll was mailed without a return address to a family friend in Minnesota. And as of the recording of this podcast, the doll has not yet made a trip back to Texas. Unlike the doll from our story tonight, though, it didn't seem like the Elsa doll was trying to warn the family about a nefarious event. But still, to this day, there's been no explanation about what possessed Elsa, or for that matter, Annabelle and other dolls. But one thing is certain, haunted dolls are something our collective subconscious can't let go of. And they can't seem to let go of us, either. Tonight's Tale was written by Jay Richardson. 
Nighty Night is executive produced by Rabia Chaudhry and Colin Thompson. It's produced by DJ Lou Bell. It's edited by Anton Doty and Matt Sewell. It's mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Original music by Andrew Gerlicker. Nighty Night is a cast original podcast. Thanks so much for listening to an episode of Nighty Night, bedtime stories to keep you awake. Now that you're spooked to the bone and won't be able to sleep all night, please go ahead and follow, rate, and review us. Sweet dreams.